Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at RGS Exteriors. They'll improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy, brick, stone, and stucco exteriors, along with soffit, uh, fascia, and rain gutter, uh, and rain gutters. Fascia? Did I say that wrong? Yeah. Fascia? Uh, check fascia. them out. Is it fascia? Okay. Yep. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. That's rgsutahsiding.com. Sighting. Potato, potato. Dot com. Oh. <laughs> uh, Gordon, uh, some news coming out of the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward will not play oh. tomorrow night against the Utah Jazz, which makes um, a bad matchup a little bit better. And now the Jazz, granted, have not been terrific against teams that have been missing key players, but <laughs> Boston is not a good matchup with their athletic wings, and two of their athletic wings will not be playing, so... I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to win or lose, but that should help, you would think. You would think, yes. So I don't know whether that diminishes victory in, in, for the Jazz or not. They just need wins. They'll yeah, take I mean, it in which way they can get it. At this that, point of the season, that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, you're in a race for positioning. You don't want to play the Rockets in the first round. However, when we just had that conversation with David, David Locke, um, he he pointed out that these teams that Jazz have been beating are the dregs of the Eastern Conference. And they're terrible. And so, you know, it'd be nice to have the Jazz have an opportunity to go up against a, a premier opponent uh, fully loaded. Wouldn't it? Just to, for their own self-esteem. I don't... This sounds really weird, Gordon, but I don't know if I'm there yet with this team considering how the, their pathway has been. Where it's been so bad at times. Up and down. Where, you know what, a win's a win's a win's a win with this team. I mean, I don't, maybe that's unfair, but I don't know if they're playing well enough to the point where I'm willing to nitpick that just yet. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, I, I think you're probably right. The Jazz just need to get uh, get a good vibe going. And uh, regardless of who they're playing. They need to play well. That, that Phoenix loss, uh, just, uh, I think it, it just affected everybody. Well, it should have. Uh-huh. I mean, that was one of those losses that was just brutal. And then you have Boston for the next game where the Jazz did play better, mm-hmm. but you played against a really good team and came up short. I mean, it had to kind of solidify that you got to do some things better. And then they have. But again, it's been against the dregs of the Eastern Conference. I mean, the Wizards were awful. The Cavs were worse. And the Knicks were right there with Knicks them. Knicks are just, just a tad bit ahead of ahead of Cleveland, Cleveland maybe yeah yeah I, I mean the it, Hawks are in there too but uh, so I I mean we can say well the Jazz are a better matchup now for the Celtics or we could say oh don't you want to go out there and prove yourself and beat them full strength I don't think we're there yet I I think I think they need to string together good performances and get as many wins as they can because matchup is going to matter to them in the playoffs Austin, did I see you tweet out earlier today what their record is against uh, playoff teams versus, or was that somebody else? Maybe that was Hans. 
Uh, somebody tweeted it out. Sorry, I can't remember exactly who it was. But the if one. it was smart, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> okay. It was the record of the Jazz against playoff teams uh, versus uh, the rest. And uh, it was uh, quite the stark difference. Yeah, but see, that, I guess that's the crux of the conversation we're having here. Is I don't think we've seen this team at their best. So, yeah, in the past this year... They haven't been great against playoff teams, but I don't think— They were pretty good against the Bucs, and they were pretty good against the— uh, The Clippers. The Clippers, yeah. But, I mean, have we seen this team playing at its best? I don't, I don't think we've seen that. I still don't think we've— We've seen it over stretches. I, I'm not going to count— I'm not going to count that time where they, uh, what was it, 19 out of 21 or whatever, because Conley wasn't in the lineup, and this team is never going to be at its best without Conley working. He's the extra guy. We— we had this conversation too, Gordon, and I don't want to get repetitive, but the con- the complaint last year was they they're a they're a guy short. They're they need another dude. Well, Conley's the dude. <laughs> that's their other dude. That's that's what's got to work for them to go to the next level. That is that was true at the beginning of the year. That's still true today. And so I don't think we've seen this team as good as it possibly could be, and they might not get there. But at this point, you've just got to say fans are saying, "Shush your mouth." You want to see consistent improvement, and here's the good news: Mike has been a much better fit since the All Star break. Losing streak aside, he's been better. He was good against the Knicks. Has been worse. Oh, that is not true. Bogdanovich was terrific last night. He was terrific I, against well, Cleveland. Well, yeah, I'm not, I get it, but he had a slump. He had a four or five game slump. I'm not worried about Bogdanovich, not in the slightest. I am. Right. I am worried about about Conley playing at his best and being a good fit for this Utah Jazz roster because he's the other guy. He's the other guy. And Donovan Mitchell has been extremely consistent. And Rudy, they need to continue to solve that puzzle like we talked to Locke about. But Conley was supposed to be the dude, the extra firepower to give him, well, get the, him over the, the hump. The only thing that's going to prove that is Jazz victories over quality teams with Conley in the lineup. I agree, but right now you got to settle for victories because it got pretty dark there for a minute. <laughs> okay. True that. Because it might not work too, right? And maybe that's what, what you know nobody wants to talk about. But maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe his game doesn't work with this roster. Maybe he's impossible to hide on defense. I mean, there's there's the downside too. I mean, we we talk about how they need him to live up so they can achieve their their uh, highest ceiling. Well, that might not happen. Well, last night he had 17 points, and you and I were watching the game here in the studio together. And uh, there were times when he got pretty much blown by. And there was times he was great. And there was yeah. times nobody could stay in front of him, and he was creating plays uh, for everybody around him. Live and learn. We're going to have to watch as and time goes by and see what this is. That's the usefulness of these final, was it, 21 games now? I mean, the Jazz have to put this together so that as they head into the playoffs, they, they can uh, – Account themselves well. Well, and I don't know whether that's going to happen or not. I, 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 there's a whole lot. This may be the one of the most interesting twenty game stretches that I can remember at this time of year for the Jazz. I know that they've had success over the past couple of years where they came on strong and whatnot, but this team is more talented than those teams were, and has a different mentality and different expectations. It's easier to be disappointed this year. That's a fact. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree. And, you know, if there's anything last week's 
activities with the Stark Conley, Sit Conley, Start Conley again proves is that they're going to ride or die with Mike Conley. That seems to have been a decision made. <laughs> Wherever that decision was made, somebody <laughs> made it, and that's that's what's going to happen. And I get I get that decision because this this process hasn't been easy per se, but the fact remains that if he doesn't perform, the Jazz can't get to where where they want to go. Are you with me that when the Jazz shoot the ball well, I mean, and that seems so simplistic. And, and what, but when they shoot the ball well, everything else seems to be improved upon. I I don't disagree per se, but you can't. If I were giving them advice, you can't use that as a crutch. You got to find a way. And and here's what I'll say about Rudy because he seems to play better on both sides of the floor when he gets the ball on offense. Right? We've all yeah. observed that uh-huh. in one way or another, right? And deep down, he's going to have to suck it up when when he's not getting the ball on offense. I mean, they get, it's what Quinn's talking about with that focus and, and all that energy talk. You've got to bring it more consistently. Well, That's when, a fact. When we, uh, when we say, hey, when they shoot the ball well, then, then they win. But what Quinn is concentrating on is the five or six things that go into shooting the ball well. It's more than just a guy feeling it. Yeah, but I just I get frustrated when it comes down to may, I, I cliche maker miss. It's a maker miss league. I get it. I got it. And that cliche came from somewhere. I I'm fine. But I don't think offense and making shots is the reason that the Jazz have struggled at times this year. I don't. Just oh, like I man. wasn't worried about Bogdanovich when Are he went one sure? of eight. I mean, they've got to, they've, they're an offensive team now and they've got to make shots, right? But they also gave up 130 points to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. They, you know, they beat the Wizards, but Bradley Beal, as I predicted, still had what was it, 42 points. But Washington's so crappy, it didn't, it didn't matter. You're looking at him, pal. And I told you he was going to have to score. I think I predicted that. Too. And I told you that he was going to have to score 120 to beat the Jazz <laughs> that night, and that turned out to be true, too. <laughs> All right. But, you know, the Jazz uh, let, identity let is built. Way. When Rudy Gobert is rendered ineffective, that's their biggest problem. When, when the Jazz are, go through all the things that lead up to a shot, and then they miss the shot, and that happens to uh, in the uh, you know 60% of the time, then they're screwed. Their defense isn't good enough to keep them in games. Okay. If they're shooting 40%, they're not going to win. You don't say. <laughs> well. And if they shoot 30%, they're not going to no, win. No, but you I said mean, it's more about the defense. I do you? think it's more about the defense because look at the Jazz statistically. They're fine on offense, uh, especially if Mike Conley comes along. What I'd like to see a, a, a statistical breakdown to see how many times the Jazz have held opponents under 40% shooting. It's not often. Because it used to be more often than it is now. Yeah. But, Right now, they have to outscore people, and I get it. It's not all one or the other, right? You know, you still got to play some defense. We saw that last night, where the Jazz shot the ball over fifty percent, not particularly well from the arc. They were substandard in that regard. But at the at the defensive end, we saw times when the Jazz were. I don't know. Rudy was getting it taken to him by Julius Randle, and. Regardless, I mean that's a matchup you would expect the Jazz to win. Well, and I think they, I think they did win it. I, mean, I, I thought Rudy was good, but Rudy gets oh, pushed. Man, Randall had thirty-two points. 
But Rudy had on a great what, 12, 11, 12, 12 of 21 shooting or something? Yeah, and Rudy had 18 and 14. I mean, Rudy had a really good game, too. You know, I'm talking about that end. Right. Rudy gets pushed around a little bit, and we can get into that. I mean, I don't... You know, I don't think it would hurt him to put on a little weight, but at the same time, he's got, as Coach Chiesa says, those high hips. I mean, the way he's built isn't all that conducive to, you know, being sturdy, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Well, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Knicks can't shoot it. And yet, last night, they shot it, what were they, about 49%? Was it that high? Sorry, uh, I don't let's have see. It in front of me. But but here's here's the thing with the shooting, Gordon. Why I'm I'm a little frustrated with it with that take that it just boils down to the shooting. Well, okay. it doesn't boil down to but, any but one he, thing. I I got it. But here's why I'm frustrated about that because at some point that excuse has got to go away. Because last year the problem was they didn't have enough shooting, and they've added, Boy Hunt Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson. And how you're still telling me that the problem is the shooting. I'm not, I, I no. But, but it is. I, no, no it's that, not. that makes my point it's for not. me. It's more important for them to make the shots now because they've weakened the defense at the expense of the offense. Because those guys. So, re- so it's even more important for them to make their shots. So because they refuse to guard anyone, <laughs> which, by the way, is the cyclical problem that we're getting to is that when they refuse to guard somebody, the defense really suffers and Rudy can't do it all. So you give somebody a pass not to guard anyone because, oh, they're you know really putting in an effort on the other end of the floor. Well, that seems to bring us back to our initial problem now, doesn't it? Well, I'm not giving so, anybody a pass at the defensive end. you still got to play some defense or you're going to lose. But when they have not won, oftentimes their shots have not looked pretty. And I know it's more complicated than that. I know there are cases where the Jazz haven't run the offense properly. And we've seen some hero ball and some other stuff that's going on, lack of patience and uh, or hesitancy, and so that that needs to be solved, in my opinion, in order for the Jazz to reach that point that you were talking about, where you're waiting to see the Jazz at their best. I still think the point we talked about before the season remains to be relevant. Which one? You add these players, and the defense is going to fall off. And I told you the defense yeah, was going to fall off. Yeah, you did off. say that. You know, you mm-hmm. you take out favors and you put in Bogdanovich and you you take out Rubio and you put in short Mike Conley. And it <laughs> Is that was, what you're going to call him now? No, I'm not. He's just not tall and he's not big. He's not he's not broad. Like Donovan Mitchell isn't tall either. He's six one, but he's big and broad. He's he's a big dude. Mike Conley's just not that. And the defense has fallen off. And listen, we had this argument where you were delusional that it was going to be top five in both offense and defense. I never said I, that. I like, never said of that. Of course. I said it would be optimum if they were in that neighborhood. Optimum. Excuse me. I didn't say Excuse it was going to happen. But we talked about how much the defense – my point is we talked about how much that defensive slip was going to be. So has and, the defense slipped more than you thought, and is the offense – as, as, as proficient as you thought. Okay, so here's the problem, though, is the defensive rating right now is they're 11th in the league at 109.5. Right. And you look at the 11, that number right there, and go, well, hey, that's not terrible. 
11, that's not it's, bad. It's surprising to see that statistic. The, the problem is that is, because of the pace of play? Well, they started off the year actually really good, if you remember, where they were number one in the league in defensive rating for a short period of time. <laughs> but the, the problem is is that the, the fluctuation on the defensive numbers has been either, hey, that was pretty darn good, or last in the league. That's <laughs> been the problem is when the defense is bad. And, and you hear these guys talking about runs. Right, we heard uh-huh. it in the post game where they talked about how they stopped the Knicks' run last night. The runs on the Jazz have been historic, where they can't get a stop to stop this run, and then, as you so eloquently point out, that has an effect on the offensive side of the ball, and then it spins out of control. And next thing you know, it's like twenty-five to two run, and you're out of the game. Yeah, we've seen that time and again where the the, the margin has been about five points, and then all of a sudden, the Jazz come down, miss a jumper. Come down, turn the ball over, come down, uh, miss another shot, and next thing you know, the lead is up to double digits. Yeah, boom, they're down and, and, 20. And, yeah, yeah, and it's gone from there. And I think that's, that, happened, that's that, happened. I've lost count of how many times that's happened. So if you look at the overall statistics, this is where sometimes analyzing statistics is ridiculous. Because you look at the overall stats and you go, oh, okay, oh, 11. <laughs> well, they're stopping somebody. But the problem is they're really not stopping anybody when they're going through these patches of games where they're just getting annihilated, even at home, which is a four-game losing streak at home where they just didn't play any sort of defense, and all of a sudden we're talking about effort levels and things like that. Yes. So that that has been the problem with defense. And I'll tell you this, I didn't expect that. I expected the defense to be you know less... Uh, sturdy than it has been over the past couple of years, but not going through stretches of, you know, weeks where you're the worst defensive team in the league. Yeah. How does that happen? Yeah, how do you let the Phoenix Suns score 131 points? How does that happen? <laughs> no, that's crazy. And you know what? San Antonio, they're San Antonio, but not this year. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. They're not terrific. And to get yeah. spanked at home by the Spurs, that shouldn't happen. You know? Letting Eric Gordon go off for, what was it, 52? Something like that. Yeah, come on now, <laughs> come on! You're better than that. Well, you don't have that, to be number one in the league like Gordon predicted, that, but you're better than that. I didn't predict that, but that's a great example because they had beaten Houston the time before, right? Uh, no, then, they're one and two against Houston. That was no, they lo- they beat Houston and then they lost to them without without their best players. It was the other way around. They, they lost, lost to them without their best players, then they beat them on the bogey my, shot, my, my, and my, then my, they lost to them last okay. Saturday. But my point is this sort of freaking practice up and down, it, it doesn't seem consistent. And that's that's been the weird thing. That's been the weird thing, because they, they show you their capability of, of where the basement is, and it's bad. <laughs> It's, it's so, really so, bad. So the highs but, are pretty high and the lows are bottom. But see, that's the problem is that we don't know where the high is. That's that's we've the hard seen, part about analyzing few, this team. We've seen a few moments of some pretty high caliber basketball, but I don't disagree. N- nothing consistent, but not with Mike Conley. Not and, yet. And we are talking like this, but they are thirty nine and twenty two. What's your point? Well, they're not. They're not dogs, but they're not contenders. And and I I we're rewinding championship or bust. We're rewinding the tape a lot, but I seem to remember when the Jazz were having a conversation about trading for Mike Conley at the trade deadline, and I was telling you that was not enough to get you by the Warriors, and you were telling me something about you know 
Uh, that you're taking them to the next level. I mean, that's all that matters. And put yourself on, in contending on, status, on, and you've on. got to try and all this your, and this and that. Your revisionist history here is remarkable no, to me. Who is it? Because that's <laughs> I love pretty it much when you tell me what I thought. That is exactly what you thought. Well, and I, now I, think, you're going, I think I think putting yourself in contention is better than finishing getting eliminated in the first round. And then today's take is what's their record anyway? Bah, good enough. <laughs> no, I didn't say it was good enough. Mm. No, the expectations were beyond what we're talking about here. If I told you before the season that the Jazz would be heading to Boston and uh, people would be thinking, hmm, I don't know if they're capable of winning that game, that would have caused dis- disappointment, maybe even discouragement. Then why point out the record as if to say, that's pretty good? Well, I mean, I know. I, I, well, I didn't mean that it's pretty good. I mean that they're not a dog team. They're, they're not the Cavs. They're, You're they're, right. They're a good team. They're somewhere between the well, Suns we thought, and we the, thought this and year the, they were uh, Nuggets. From, we thought they were going to go from good to edge toward great. Yeah, you thought that they were going to maybe have an outside shot at uh, finals, maybe have a shot at the conference finals. Yeah, I thought I thought the Western Conference Finals were that was a good goal. One and done was not really in the forecast. You mean one series and done? Right. Yeah, I, I would not have predicted that. I and thought. now the way if the playoffs started today, that could easily happen. And so I guess that's what I'm I'm trying to point out is that we don't know where the I don't think this team has this team has gotten to the ceiling. I don't. And that's that's the maddening thing about covering is is do they get it together and achieve their potential or they or don't or do they not? Because they might not. So is this encouraging or discouraging? Well, I think that we don't know how good they can be. But I think that's why we're seeing. But we know how bad they can be. <laughs> I think that's why we're seeing reaction from fans and media members alike with these big time swings. When they lose four in a row, people are heaving themselves into traffic. And when they win a game, everybody's celebrating. I thought when they beat the Wizards, the the, the post game uh, media availability where Donovan and Royce are, yeah. are having a comedy fest and <laughs> and uh, Conley's singing in the shower. I I thought I heard somebody popping bubbly. You know, I just. Everybody everybody rides these highs like, hey, they figured it out finally after all this time. And then, bam, skid four <laughs> losses in a row. And everybody's like, that's it. It's over. Just, you know what, trade everybody. Lock the doors. What's the point? So it's – it's heckle and jekyll because you believe you believe <laughs> or, they could be really I good. I believe they could be really good. I believe you do too. Again, I don't mean to speak for you, Gordon, because I've gotten criticized no, for that I'm here. No, I'm but... not sure anymore. I don't know. I think that they can be. The better. more we know, the less we know about this team. Right. I, I I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if they're going to get get there. Still pretty confident that they can get there. Unless you think get there where. To their potential, whatever that may be. And what do you think it is? Good enough to compete to to get to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. All right. Unless you think Mike Conley's washed up. I think he has a long way to go before anybody can feel overly confident about the way this is working out. See, I guess the difference is, I or or I guess what I'm saying is, I think you can figure out fit. You know, if you don't think it's a terrific fit or you have to adjust adjust some things, those are all things that you can control, right? Either Mike himself or the Jazz or Quinn Snyder or that very capable staff. I mean, if it's fit or something that needs to be adjusted, that's actually good because you can fix that. 
if Mike is at the end of his career and he's just not capable of doing what he has in the past, that's a totally different problem. Well, it seems like that would have been easier to scout than knowing when he's going to be able to, say, make a shot. You know, because that seems like more a variable than whether he would fit or not. I mean, couldn't I mean, it just seems like that's something that would have been a little easier to project. Why do you say that? Because you, I mean, the the basketball experts in this organization have been studying him for quite some time, and so if you study him, don't you think that you would a basketball expert, somebody who makes their profession in that area, would be able to spot whether someone was going to fit in all right or not? Um. I don't think it, they, I get it. I don't it's a different set of players. It's a different style of offense. I get that, but still, these guys are pretty smart. They are pretty smart, but you don't know until that player is here, yeah, right? I, I mean, guess that's you don't know anything. That's the I... whole challenge with a with a draft, right? Yeah, but you got a lot more evidence, don't you? I mean, it seems like uh, folks around here, when they acquired Mike Conley, would know a lot more about him than they know about some nineteen-year-old kid out of college. I suppose, but, I mean, you would think Mike Conley would not struggle adjusting to throwing high passes to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Or you would have had that body of evidence, I suppose. But, I mean, some sometimes things are, are tricky. Yeah, apparently so. I, you know, I, I guess the, the entire ending of Shaq's career proves that general managers have no idea when physically a player is slipping. All right. I mean, so, that guy so, kept but, getting signed over and over and over again. So is that what we're seeing then? I don't know. I'm just telling you that that's, that's the worst-case scenario. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying, like, if, if you don't think the Jazz have another gear, that's, that's the reason why. Uh, I'm not saying I think that because I don't, mm-hmm. and that's why I think the Jazz have another gear. Okay. And but, I, but you're replacing all of that on Mike Conley? Most of it, yeah. See, I think there are other things that are can be altered in a more positive direction as well. But I, I do agree with you that that is a, a major concern. All right, joining us now in studio from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our good friend Andrew Reinhardt, here to help our listeners not only with their help with or their health, excuse me, but with their relationships as well. Yeah, we are. Uh, Wasatch Medical has. Um a new treatment. It's for ED, erectile dysfunction. And I wanted to just read a portion of a few of the clinical studies that have been done on this treatment recently. Uh, European Association of Urology, this is not all that long ago, um, says shockwave treatment significantly improves erectile function in patients. Really cool. Uh, Urology Times, this is a big journal. Shockwave treatment for ED has demonstrated impressive efficacy and safety. That's cool, too. And then finally, PubMed said that shockwave therapy um, has demonstrated a a positive long-term clinical effect with improvement in erectile function. Uh, I've seen thousands of guys come into the clinic with ED. The clinicals, the science is so sound on this. If you're out there listening, um, you're noticing that things are slipping in the wrong direction in the bedroom, you're sick of the pills, this can really give you a lot of hope. And what I think is cool is you guys are doing that consultation for free, taking the risk out of it for our listeners, but they can go in and find out exactly what's wrong and if it is a good fit that you guys can help. They can. Call us now. We'll do this free. Um, It's a screening with the doctor, basically. And there's two reasons for that. One, to give you 
all the information you need. Answer your questions. Are you a good candidate? Um, what has led you to have ED? Uh, maybe some medications you're taking are causing it. And second, we want to make sure that the treatments will work for you. Before you do anything, before you decide, okay, this is for me, um, the doctor will screen you. That has led to our high success rate. So call us now. We do that whole process free. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. That's Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Scotty G joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow mojo. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. It's later in the year. Everybody knows our rules. Some of the pieces have changed, and all the pieces now just kind of fit together, and you could just read the floor, and all five guys can do their job, and it makes everybody's life easier, including yours. I said it at the start of the season. I don't have a problem of coming off the bench. I want to win, and if that's the best case scenario for me to be in that role, then I'll do it to the best I can. We've got a really, like a really good team, probably easily the deepest team since I've been here in the, the six years, and it's about us finding the right style of play and the right tempo and just got to obviously take advantage of it every time we come down the floor. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, of course, you uh, hear him from noon to 3 every single day alongside Hans Olsen. He, of course, is also the voice of the Utah State Aggies. Joining us now from the dingiest corner of Binion's Casino, he's our good friend Scott Gerard. <laughs> What's going on, Scotty G.? Hey, only one of us slums it on uh, on Fremont Street, and it ain't me. It, so. is, it is the happiest place on earth. It's true. If you had a recommendation on the best place to gamble in Vegas, uh, Scotty, uh, I'm uh, just wondering where that would well, be. I don't, I don't do that stuff. So, have you, I ever, have, know. you ever, have you ever talked to a friend who might know? Uh, I will say this. Uh, so we're down here, and it's like the third year we've been down here at the South Point, and I've kind of like the whole. Middle of Vegas, the whole strip thing has kind of ticked me off because now they make you pay for parking, and <laughs> it's just a big, giant mess down there, and everything's crazy expensive. Um, but uh, we're down here at the South Point, and you know what? Tell you what, you can still find you a nice little pie gal table, Jake. You can All still right. find you a $5 blackjack hand or table if you want, and uh, a really, from what I hear, a really good uh, poker room, too. So, So there you go. Scotty, just what's on the line against uh, the Lobos? Is this a make it or break it as far as the tournament goes for the Aggies? Uh, tonight, yeah, absolutely it is. If they if they lose two consecutive games to New Mexico, um, yeah, it will be an NIT berth for Utah State. There's no doubt about that. Uh, if they win tonight and then lose tomorrow uh, to Nevada, who's you know a a tier two team and they're a or a quad two team. Um, and they're a top 100 Ken Palm team, then, you know, they might have a chance. Uh, but if they win tomorrow and then play well against San Diego State and lose in a championship game, then they certainly have a really good at-large opportunity. Uh, so 
Yeah, but if if they lose tonight, it's uh, it's 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 not good for the NCAA hopes. So, Scotty, when this team is is doing well, what's happening? And when things uh, things don't go so well, what happens then? Uh, offense, if it's running through Namish Kata, if they're creative on how they get him the ball, because everybody double teams him. But if they're finding ways to uh, get him the ball early in the offensive sets where he can set up. And, uh, and, and he can pass out of the post really well. If the offense is flowing through him, they're as good as any team in the Mountain West Conference, including San Diego State. Uh, when they get away from that, uh, they start to play a little hero ball. They take early threes in the offensive sets um, and just rely on Sam Merrill to just lead them to the promised land. Then they're in trouble. Um, they can, I really feel like they can beat any team here in the Mountain West, including San Diego State. I also think they could certainly lose tonight to New Mexico if they're not if they're not careful. So it's a, it's been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team, but for the most part, outside of that loss to New Mexico at the end of the season, this team has been trending nicely over the last uh, three weeks of the season. Scotty G is with us from Vegas as Utah State takes on New Mexico tonight in Mountain West Conference Tournament action. And Scotty, I know you're not a doctor, but I also know that Sam Merrill hasn't been 100% at times this year. Is he healthy going into this tournament? As healthy as he's been all year. Uh, he's dealt with some high ankle sprains. He's he's been roughed up quite a bit. Uh, had a little bit of a hip issue, but this is as healthy as he's been all year. I mean, the guy just takes so much um, abuse out on the court. Every time he drives into the lane, it's usually him on his backside getting knocked down. And so he just it, it's every every game. There seems like there's another bruise or another. Uh, he's banged up quite a bit, but uh, I'd say right now coming into this one, he's as healthy as as he's been since probably early January. Scotty, how would you uh, evaluate the Mountain West top to bottom? I think it's really good this year. I mean, I think it's a lot better than what it was last year, for sure. Um, UNLV has come on strong. And then right now, Boise State's come out of nowhere, and they're leading UNLV in the uh, other quarterfinal game. Nevada has probably, even though he didn't win it, probably has the best player in the Mountain West Conference in Jalen Harris. And then San Diego State is just loaded with, with talent on their team right now. And so, and Utah State's obviously really good. You know, Colorado State uh, was the hottest team in the conference for, you know, the second half of the season. And then they end up losing, um, you know, to Wyoming last night, who's the 11 seed and only won two games in the conference. So from top to bottom, uh, this is as good as we've seen the Mountain West Conference since, I don't know, the last four or five years. Easy. What's the reasoning for that, Scotty? They make good coaching hires or just uh, a lot of seniors? Why do you think it's been better this year? Uh, I think every team has got a stud. Um, and you go up and down the list, and everybody's got a guy that can that can, can beat you on any given night. Uh, you know, Utah State's playing New Mexico, and they've got two really good players. Um, you know, Utah State obviously has two really good players on their team. And then you just go down the list, and there's – somebody on every roster that makes you nervous um, and that can really get it going from a scoring standpoint. And so I think that's what's really been fun to watch is every night when you watch a Mountain West Conference game, you've got high-level, you know, potential borderline NBA talent nearly on every team in the, in the conference. Scotty, I heard you make a, a prediction earlier that San Diego State was, uh, could be beaten. And today uh, they were trailing Air Force for a while there. They won the game 29-1. and How good are the Aztecs? I would not. If I'm filling out a bracket here in two weeks, I would not take San Diego State past this week 16. 
Um, I, you know, they'll, they'll be a one or they'll be a two seed. Somebody's going to get them early in the tournament. Uh, I'm just not a huge believer in who they are uh, from top to bottom. Um, I think that uh, if they play a really athletic team that can match their level of athleticism, that, um, that, that they're going to be in trouble. And, they, and, you know, and they rely heavily on a three-point shot, and if that goes away in any given game, then they're going to be in trouble. But if I was – yeah, if I was if I was filling again, like I said, if I'm filling out a bracket, I could see them losing in that eight one, you know, that to whoever wins that eight nine matchup, and then you know, even if they win that, I don't see them going past the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, they're look great team, great players, uh, but I just I don't know. I just I feel like there's a lot of flaws with that team that uh, is probably going to bite them in the tournament. Would you? Figure- and so with that, they'll probably be a Final Four team after I just said that. <laughs> Would you figure them to win the the Mountain West uh, tournament? Well, I mean, they're obviously going to be your favorite. Let's say Utah State makes it, and uh, they play UNLV or they play San Jose State. Then you're probably looking at San Jose State probably being a seven, eight point favorite. And so, I mean, the odds would certainly be in their favor. But um, if Utah State's playing their best basketball, um, I'd give Utah State every chance in the world of beating San Diego State. I mean, look, Utah State was down on the night when Kawhi Leonard uh, had his jersey retired. That place was packed. Um, Gordon, I don't know if you've been down there, but that place is just, it was a madhouse down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And the Aggies led by 10 at halftime, led by 12 with, you know, about 13, you know, 14, 15 minutes left to go in the game. And then San Diego State caught fire and came back and ended up winning that game. But for, you know, almost 30 minutes of that game, Utah State was a better team. And I think on a neutral side, they've got every chance in the world to beat them. Hey, Scotty, before we let you go, and I know you're on a time crunch, but I wanted to sneak in a Jordan Love question for you real quick here because I, ca- I saw a couple of the windbag draft people talking about him. <laughs> and it seems like the ones that advocate for Jordan Love to go high in the draft, they throw the coaching staff and the rest of the team under the bus when justifying his subpar year last year. They say, oh, it was the coaches and the, the team wasn't very good. So it, there's a little conflict there, right, where you're probably rooting for Jordan Love to go as high as possible, but also... So uh, how does that make, you know, the coaching staff and the rest of the team feel? Well, I mean, I don't, you know, from whether Matt Wells and that staff was still around, you know, for last year, there was going to be a significant drop-off on talent on the offensive side just because, I mean, you lost nine out of your 11 starters offensively. You lost your entire offensive line. You lost your two be- three best receivers. You lost your tight end. You lost your best running back. You just got, won a Super Bowl ring. So, yeah, there was always going to be a significant drop-off. So, whether it was Matt Wells and David Yost or Gary Anderson and, and uh, Mike Sanford, it was going to be a difficult year for Jordan Love. And so I don't put it necessarily on coaching, but I would put it on talent. I mean, there was, you know, look, C.L.C. Mariner, if he doesn't sign with Utah State, it's a really long year for Utah State and that offense. And so, you know, they and not to say the guys they have aren't going to be good. They're just super young. And so it was – it was it was going to be a problem, and I think a lot of people recognized it. It may have been a bigger problem than a lot of people thought, but there just weren't. You know, you go back and you look at tape on interceptions, and Jordan Love, like he, he threw some interceptions that he shouldn't have thrown. But also, you look at it, there weren't a lot of dudes running open in the middle of the field that he he was trying to find. So it was it was it was a problem. There's no doubt about it. Scotty, thank you. We'll catch you on the broadcast tonight. Sounds good. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Scotty. Scotty G, voice of the Utah State Aggies. Pre-game will begin tonight at 6.30 on 1280 AM, and then you'll hear the entire game starting at 7 on 97.5 or 12.80. That's an interesting tournament down there for all the things Scotty was saying. I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not a big believer in San Diego State either. I was a bigger 
uh, more on their bandwagon earlier in the year, but man, they've had some games where they didn't look that good. Yeah. Have you noticed that, by the way, when uh, following the draft at all or following Jordan Love, have you noticed that when justification comes for why he should be a first-round pick. It's always the coaches and the yeah. team that goes under the bus. Utah I, State has taken a beating in that regard. And Scotty, I think, laid it out pretty right. I mean, you're going to have turnover rosters in college football. It's what it's all about. And you did have a new staff, and I, I don't necessarily want to defend Sanford all that much, but there are there are a lot of factors that go into it. So I think Scotty's answer is the correct one. But I just can't help but notice these guys who are like, oh, yeah, I love Jordan Love. Well, how do you explain all the interceptions last year? Man, those they got a new coaching staff, and those buffoons stink. And did you see the losers they put around him? I mean, my gosh, how's he <laughs> expected to even get out of bed in the morning? You know, it just it's like, well, that doesn't make Utah State look all No, I go back to agreeing with Scotty. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. I think he's right on the money. But still, it's like Jordan Love in the first first round. Okay, that's really good pub for Utah State. But all the commentary <laughs> about it is is not really casting. Why wasn't he the, better? Well, well <laughs> what do they know? I mean, they <laughs> took a first-round NFL quarterback and just ruined him. <laughs> yeah, that's – that's uh, there may be a little bit of truth to that, but but I think it was it was other things. Yeah, I think so too. There's there's always more to the story, but yeah, I I think maybe they could have been better offensively last year. So yeah, I I, I thought Scotty's explanation. That's why I asked him because I thought Scotty's explanation was was right on the money. But what is it coach's fault when a guy throws picks? It can be. Depends on the coach if I like him or not. <laughs> exactly. All right. Want to remind you about our friends at RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal of your house with James Hardy Brickstone and Stucco Exteriors, along with Soffit, Fascia, and Rain Gutters. Check them out at uh, rgsutahsiding.com. That's rgsutahsiding.com. More straight ahead here on the big show. We have the Not Sports Report next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Joining us right now, Spencer Nelson. So the BYU Cougars, they've been able to really break through to not just be an NCAA tournament team, but I think they're a team that's very capable of making a run. If you were to see anything that gives you pause when it comes to tournament time, what would it be? Honestly, there's not a lot of holes in their game and their team. I'm with you. I think this team is built to make a run in the tournament. They have enough firepower to be able to compete with anyone in the country. I truly believe believe that, but I really do expect this team to be able to make the Sweet 16 and then at that point it's just matchups. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. It's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 3,000 vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmdeals.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going, I got two. Two today. All right? Okay. First one's in Oregon. You see the story about a woman who is, she is suing Chuck E. Cheese. Why, you say? Because of bad entertainment? No. Because uh, it wasn't any fun? No. 
The children's casino? <laughs> She's claiming that her hair got stuck for 20 minutes in a ticket counting machine at uh, this place in Oregon. Apparently, she her hair got, you know, those ticket counting machines, it, it gnarled up her hair and wouldn't release her. So she's stuck there for 20 minutes. And she says it caused her uh, discomfort, distress, pain, and headaches. <laughs> I know Chuck E. Cheese, it could be argued, causes all those things anyway. Okay, wait, well, why the shots at Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> <laughs> that was like multiple. Nice. That was funny. That was like multiple shots at Chuck E. Cheese. What well, did Chuck just, E. Cheese I'm do to gonna, you? I don't know. It's just kind of. You have a, a negative opinion toward Chuck E. Cheese? Uh, it, it wasn't my favorite place to go with my kids. Well, I don't think it was designed for you. <laughs> I don't think they're All they're right. aiming at the curmudgeon columnist who's bringing his kids to. But at, at, hey, at, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the is anybody out there at Jake Scott Zone tweet at him or at me at Gordon Monson. You know, have you had times where you went to Chuck E. Cheese when it wasn't exactly pleasant? Uh, yeah, just, every single one of them. See, like, now, like this, like this thing I just saw on social media yesterday. It said, "Hi, welcome to Chuck E. Cheese. Everything is visibly dirty. Our mascot is a rat. Eat some pizza near a sneezing child and come on down for some rat pizza at our child casino." Wow. All right, my, my, my second thing with this story, at what point are you held responsible for your own yeah, self? Yeah, like doesn't see, this seem like doesn't this seem like this is a her problem? <laughs> like if, if Wait, a her? A, sh- a she problem? Uh, a, if you're not, you know, heads up enough to make sure your own hair is clear of the ticket taking machine. Yeah. Whose fault is that really? Yeah, I mean you have an argument. We'll where see. where are we drawing that line? I I don't know. We're gonna find see, out. See, I, I think we see should when be- I grew up, we had to count our own tickets, right, Jake? Right. No. See, I think we need we need to go the opposite way of this whole thing, and I think she needs to be bald as a cue ball like Austin. That needs to be what happens here. Well, you've lost your right to long hair. I'm sorry, Miss. It's baldness <laughs> for you. That's it. You get one shot at this. You do. You get you get your hair caught in the the ticket thing at Chuck E. Cheese. That's it. Okay, one other story real quick out of Florida. Where else? A man there has been, he's been arrested for the third time for practicing dentistry, but he's not a dentist. That that seems like a pretty good law. Now this, I thought so too. This, uh, did you ever see the movie Marathon Man? No. Well, there's a dentist, uh, a former dentist who's the bad guy who ends up causing people pain. But uh, he uh, he did this in 1998, and he did it in 2009, and now he's done it again. He even served time in prison, and they went to his place, and they found like 100 pages of what appeared to be like appointment logs, names, and, and amounts of money uh, charged or paid. Uh, it, it, I, was he any just, good? Of all the things you're going to do, wouldn't dentistry be something that you might shy away from if you didn't know what you were doing? Because it seems to me like that would be. How many have you ever gone to the dentist and thought, "Man, I hope this dentist knows what he's doing," and and, and you think, "Wow, this is uh, this is uh, takes knowledge, dexterity, and good judgment." You to, mean if your dentist it. is operating out of a storage unit, it's probably not the, the, the right place. I just place. want to know why the, the, the dentist in Gordon's scenario is automatically a he. 
Um, because it's it's uh, it's AP style, just he as in you know you can't always say he and she. It doesn't matter. The dentist. Well, I think it matters. I think it does too. <laughs> okay. I think women that's can be dentists that's too. What, that's what you're picking up on, it, really. It, what? And men can get their hair cut in ticket takers. <laughs> This is this just, is a double tw- sexist. It's here. 2020, like, Gordon. It just seems like being a dentist in this day and age is a complicated process, and I wouldn't want to be if I'm him and I'm operating out of my basement or wherever. I don't know what the first clue was, and where did he get his equipment from? This stuff ain't cheap. Amazon, they got it all. Do they really? Oh yeah. Well, I, I, it just seems I like that know. would be intimidating for somebody who didn't know what he was doing. Because you don't want to be sitting there working on somebody and having them screaming and carrying on because you're butchering the job. You want to be competent at what you're doing, even if you're faking it. I don't think competency <laughs> is really high on this guy's list. <laughs> All right. So, well, so ultimately, you wouldn't do he's it. Been, he's, been, he's been caught like three different times now over two or three decades wouldn't it be easier just to go to dentistry school? Sure. I don't know. Bail is cheaper than dentistry school. <laughs> I just don't understand why you're working so hard to justify this guy's actions. I don't know, how, I don't know how to explain it, how Gordon. Did I, how just, did I justify them? These, these this, take, is, this is horrible. Somebody comes up to him and says, my, my, my tooth hurts. I'll give you 500 bucks if you make it stop hurting. And this guy said, sure. I don't know why. Oh, you think someone just walked up to him and offered that up? You don't think there was any fraud involved? Joining us now, he is Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, not to to skip ahead to the offer for our great listeners, but there is a, a consultation with an actual with an doctor actual that doctor. that is, he uh, is involved. A medical doctor, a medical doctor. <laughs> be really important. Yeah, yeah. Very important. We should just start off by assuring yes, that that yes. is competency yeah. and qualification and a license. Yeah. Right, uh, all, <laughs> all be important. You ever been to a dentist and you thought, what is this guy doing? That never crossed my mind, but now it Think probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Gordo. Appreciate that. Uh, no, Andrew, uh, you're here. A lot of guys uh, suffer kind of in silence when it comes yeah. to ED, and you guys have a great new tree for, uh, treatment that can really end that suffering. Yeah, we do. Acoustic wave therapy is the answer for so many men. Uh, Ten years from now, I think this will be what the doctor is the first. It's the first thing he'll recommend. Right now, they're prescribing pills for ED. It causes side effects. It doesn't work on half or more of patients. Um, And today I've been kind of focused on the clinical studies for for this treatment. This isn't something that we invented. Uh, It isn't a theory or a trial of ours. This has been studied and proven time and time again. I want to read one more. Uh, Therapeutic advances in urology. Uh, They wrote that acoustic wave therapy is a revolutionary treatment of ED and and possesses unprecedented qualities that can rehabilitate erectile tissue. So these are objective sources. They are. And this was a study, I think it was 600 guys that they studied. So, I mean, the science is sound. And and it seems like every week there's more and more of this coming out. We use the only FDA-cleared technology for this. It really can improve the blood flow, regrow blood vessels, and eliminate the ED completely. 
All right, so give them a call, 801-901-8000. And as we hinted at earlier, you can get in to have a consultation with an actual doctor and find out if this is going to work. You can. Um, if you're curious, if you have ED, if you're noticing that the pills are not where you want to be, give us a call now. We'll do the assessment with an MD. It'll be an analysis of you, your medication, uh, what things have maybe led you to this point. We'll do a blood flow ultrasound. And most importantly, it's a screening to make sure you're a good candidate for these treatments and what kind of results you can expect. 801-901-8000. Give them a call. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 5 o'clock hour, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.